Amen. Amen. Well, as you're having a seat, church, if you would, grab your Bibles and open up to Colossians. We are going to start chapter 3 this morning. Um, Colossians chapter 3. If you are new with us, we are studying through the book of Colossians. Real quick, uh, uh, Zach is having such a profound... Zach, will you stand up here with me real quick? Uh, Zach is having such a profound impact on me that we have uh, started dressing just like him. <laughs> So I don't, it's just happening. So Zach is so much cooler than me that I just basically start copying whatever he's wearing, which is why I'm wearing the jacket because I didn't want to look identical. So I just had to bring that up in case you were wondering, when is Sean going to come up that still looks like Zach? Because I know we look so similar, Um, of course. Uh, So Zach, I love you. Love your style. Uh, Forgive me for copying you. Uh, I'm I'm still going to, though, because you're much cooler than me. So... Uh, Nathan did a great job of reading the very beginning of Colossians chapter 3, and it's the Apostle Paul reminding us that we've been raised with Christ, that we are with Christ, that we are in Christ, that we've died to our old selves, and we are now living in the light of the new reality of Christ. And he talked about putting off all of these old ways, all of these old things that once defined our lives, right? Sexual immorality, um, uh, idolatry, uh, slander, wrath, all these things, right? And I'm going to read for us the second part of the scripture that we're going to be in this morning, beginning in verse 12. And Paul is going to shift gears and he's going to say, the old way we put off and now because of, the, because of the reality of the gospel, now we put on something new. So it's like we take off and we put on. And so Paul is going to then begin in verse 12 and he says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all of these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So what we just did, singing is in the scripture. It's a command of the scripture. And with thankfulness in your hearts to God and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There is a lot in that passage that Nathan read for us earlier in this passage that I just read. So we're actually going to be in this section in chapter three this week and next week because there's so many profound truths and realities that the Apostle Paul just hit on here. I thought it'd be uh, good for us to just sit in these collectively together rather than try to parse them out because I believe all of these just go together. This, this putting off of the old self and putting on of the new self. If you're a note taker and you like bullet points, we're, this morning as we set this up, we're going to be looking at three words, three words this morning that I want us to focus on that Paul has us center our hearts on. Two of the words are the same, so it should be very easy. Only one, only really two words, but one of them, two of them, one of them comes up twice, however you say that, right? So the first word is glory. The second word is garments. 
And then Paul circles back around again and talks about this idea of glory again. And so we've been in Colossians for six weeks. And we've talked about how because of Christ, everything has now changed in our lives. Paul's talking about the reality of Jesus, the pervasive reality of Jesus in our lives. Now everything has changed. And how all of that happened is by putting our faith in Jesus. And now Paul is helping us do some, something very important. He's helping us some, do something that we, so, that we often don't do. We often just skip over. We don't think about. Uh, and it's this idea of remembering. Paul's, he's calling us to remember uh, what we are as Christians, as Christ followers. He's calling us to remember that walking with Christ is not just one decision that we made a long, long time ago, but that walking with Christ is in fact our new reality, our very ever-present reality today in which we live and operate. It's not just a decision that I made when I was 11 and now I'm just up, to, I gotta figure it out on my own, but now I've got God on my side and I'm just here to blaze a trail. No, Paul's saying uh, when you came to faith in Jesus, that is now your new reality and it informs everything that you do. You're not just left alone. You're not just left to figure it out, but Jesus now informs the very world in which you live and operate in. It changes everything. So believing in Jesus and living in these kingdom realities is the beginning of a whole new identity for us, Paul is reminding us. And he's clarifying that reality in these opening verses very clearly. Listen to this, it's stunning, this very opening verse. He says, if then, this is nice, this, this classic grammatical structure, if then statement, if then you have been raised with Christ. If you have, if you're underliner, you're a highlighter, underline that word with. This is very important. It seems like kind of a throwaway word that just connects a few things, but that word with is hugely important here. Underline it. We're going to come back to it here in a minute. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated, where is he? Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things of the earth. In other words, everything has changed for us. If everything has really changed, and then Paul's saying, I want you to live right now in your present reality with the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. That's the power that changes us. That's the power that produces something in us. He says, I want you to be able to realize that when this thing changed inside of you, it has put you on an entirely new track and an entirely new dimension of life than you ever thought possible, that you ever dreamed was a reality in your life. That Jesus profoundly changes everything about you. He's, he's waking us up to this reality. He's like, remember, when, you, when, when Christ saved you, when he came in, your entire reality changed. So now we're not just looking for Monday at work. We're not just looking to the next thing. We're not just looking at our to-do list. We're not just hemmed into our iCal, that what, what the schedule that leads us down this path. He says, we are looking forward now as a believer to the eternal realities, right? Catch this, where Jesus is right now seated at the right hand of God. And faith in Jesus connects us to that reality now. 
So Jesus is right now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And we on earth today, right now, tomorrow, the next day, when we're with our kids, when we're with our spouse, with our friends, are connected to that reality of Jesus at the right hand of the throne of God right now by faith. So that word with that I had you underlined that no one but three people underlined. Um, that word with, it's, it's, the, it's the word, uh, it's the word where we get our word sync. It's S-Y-N. And why is uh, uh, just an analogy for us? So we hear with, and we just kind of think, oh, we're like with a friend, right? But really the, the language here that Paul's wanting us to understand, it's, it's like a, a synonym or, a, or a synonymous or sync. The best idea I could think of is when we sync our phone to the uh, mysterious cloud that's up there in this, however that happens, right? So Ashley, my wife just got an iPad. We got the, the last iPad we got was the iPad one and it doesn't do the syncing business very well, right? And now the new one, uh, some 10 years later <laughs> that just came out, <clears throat> Literally, you turn it on and you type in your password and like immediately it, it knows everything to put on it and it just appears magically. It syncs with all the things that were on your phone are now on an iPad and it's like this mirror image syncs up uh, instantaneously on your iPad and it's just like there. Paul is using this language for us with Christ. We are literally synced up with Christ through the power of the resurrection. His reality at the right hand of the throne of God is our reality as Christians in Christ. We are with him in that fashion. We are synced up with him. His death, his resurrection, his life, his righteousness, his holiness, his perfection has now been granted to us, synced into us through his power, by his blood, through faith. That's an incredible thought. Paul saying, remember this, know this. This is your reality, right? We're connected to him right now in that manner. So this means something crazy. Um, it means we're living in overlapping worlds. Yes, we go to work. Yes, we're looking at the stock market and panicking. Yes, we're raising our children. Yes, we've got responsibilities. Yes, uh, we are doing all the things that daily life uh, afford us and uh, we're a part of, but we're also right now a part of another world, right? We're already at home in another place because of the gospel, because of our connection with Jesus. We're synced up to him in this way. And then look at what he says. Because of this reality, because we're synced with Jesus and all that he's given to us and all that he's given to us, he says, for you have died. And you're like, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense because I'm sitting here right now and I'm breathing and I'm alive and I'm listening to you talk about the schizophrenic reality of two worlds, right? Of course I didn't die, but listen, he says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's that first word, glory. He's making a point. We're synced up with Jesus. Our reality now is with Jesus. The gospel changes everything for us. We have died, but now we are risen again with Jesus. 
we're hidden in Christ, our life is hidden with Christ, and because of that, we will appear with him also in glory. That's incredible. Like, I should have got like tw- at least two amens for that verse. <laughs> I've been even working with a du- couple of guys that I'm discipling. I'm like, can y'all please give me a couple of amens? And y'all have failed right there, <laughs> profoundly. That was like, a, th- this idea, we're in a dance studio, right? This is, a, I call to my friends that don't come to church here, I call it a performing arts center because it sounds much cooler and hipper. <laughs> we meet in the urban core of the woodlands at a performing arts center. It's a dance studio, right? There's ballet pictures everywhere. Um, this is a dance studio. People dance in here. Girls come in and boys come in and they're, it's artistic expression. They're pouring their hearts out. They're, they're just doing pirouettes and all the, like I'm in, my daughter dances here. I'm at this building constantly. I can't get away from it, but there's joy, there's endurance, there's practice. And there's like just all this amazing stuff that happens with expression. But what I just read, what Paul just said to us, that our life is hidden in Christ and we will appear with him in glory one day day makes me want to just jump up and down and dance. That is an incredible statement. Amen. Come on. Thank you, Josh. And a couple others. That is incredible. This is earth shattering news here. Why? Because Paul just told us that our world has changed completely when we met Christ. How so? Well, no longer is everything orbiting around me and myself. I'm not the God of my own universe. It's me orbiting around the one who is supreme, that Paul reminded us earlier in Colossians, the one who is fully sufficient, the one who is good, the one who is always right, the one who is always true, the one who is my sustainer, the one who is everlasting and forevermore. That's who my life is hidden in. That's who my life is orbiting around. My life points to that ultimate reality. It's no longer me demanding of God what I ask of him. God, you just you gotta do this, this, and this for me, or I'm gonna be mad at you. It's no longer me demanding those around me that they do what I wish. It's catch this. I was once dead, but the great God, that the great sustainer of the cosmos has now made me alive to his very son. Right? And now I am here with God saying, I'm here to serve you, God, because you've changed everything in me. I'm here to serve your people because they're now my people. They're my brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's not just me wrapped up in this new reality, but we're in it together. And together, collectively, as the body, we get to reflect and display your glory because you have synced us up with these realities that are too great for me to even put into words. I'm totally changed. I'm totally changed. And so it's, it's now me saying that my plans, my dreams, the I run the show mentality, I've got my own hands on the wheel, that's over and it's a new me, Paul's helping us understand. It's a new me, a new life, and I'm now hidden with Christ in God. I'm so connected to God that I can never be disconnected. Why? Because of Jesus. 
not my own efforts. I'm in Christ. And because I'm in Christ, Christ is with God at the right hand of the throne of God. And and, and Christ is God. He gives me the spirit. Now I'm woven into that ever-present reality right now. And then Paul says this amazing statement in verse four. When Christ, who is your life. Wait, what? When Christ, who is your, my Christian life. Christ is your life. He's not just a one day uh, get out of hell card at the end of your life. He's not just a check mark. He's the very source of your life tomorrow. He's the very source of your life in a tough situation at work. He's the very source of your life um, in your marriage, in your parenting. He's the very source of it all. He's the fountainhead of it all. Paul's pleading with us that we would understand this. In other words, and then he goes on, he says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, right? So he is your life, and then one day he is going to come. You will also appear with him in glory. In other words, there's a moment coming when the radiant son of God is going to appear again to the world. And when he does, those of us who are with him in faith are going to be right there in the middle of it with him. Those are incredibly lofty thoughts of God in us. We don't deserve it, but because of Jesus, we get it. And so what does that do in us? It produces something in us. It produces gratitude. It produces humility, he's gonna go on to say. It produces worship. It produces songs that flood out of us. What do we do when we love something and we can't even put it into words? We, we, we cite poetry, we sing songs, the arts flow out of us. The Jesus is the fountainhead of all these good things and like we're with him in that. We share in the glory of Christ. That's that first word, glory. The second word, we're gonna look at garment. Um, Paul says he's gonna to get to this point. Now, in light of this new reality, in light of what I've done, in light of what Christ has done in us, he said we are in the middle of this fight because of this, all right? He says there's this fight against our old self, our old nature, all the old thinking, all the old values, all the power of sin that was in us, uh, all of this, uh, it's this fight. And listen, Paul's gonna begin to describe uh, because we're hidden in Christ, because we share in his glory, we're able to take off all these things that choked us and that kept us from God and that we believed were true and that were self-serving and selfish and all of these things that are harmful to one another and harmful to ourselves. Paul says, because of Jesus now, we're able to, by the spirit of God, through his power, he's using this analogy of like a, a garment that we're able to take off and we're able to put on something new. Right? And so uh, this is a, a little soapbox moment, but the, the modern church does not like to talk about the taking off of that which uh, Christianity and Christ and the Apostle Paul and all the apostles have said we need to put to death. 
the modern church loves to talk about the, the other side of when we take off the old self, we put on new life in Christ. And those things are beautiful, they're wonderful, they're 100% true, but we love to focus on uh, the life that we have in Christ. But oftentimes, churches, uh, it doesn't sell a lot of books, do not like to talk about putting off the things that lead us to death. So the old uh, kind of theologian words that, that was used to talk about it, John, Jonathan Owen is famous for uh, a book that he wrote called The Mortification of Sin. That's another way that, that this is essentially what Paul is describing, the putting to death that which is of the old self. So uh, the, the two words are the putting of death is mortification and the things that bring us life in Christ is called vivification. We love to, to just highlight vivification, rightly so, but sometimes we shy away from mortification because that's the hard work. That's the flesh. That's what gets us. Here, Paul says it needs to be both. So there's the hard work. There's the putting off of the old self, the putting to death of all these old ways. Mortification has to come in order for vivification to take, to put on vivification, right? So, it's not, like you, it's not like you just wear the old self and then you put on the new one over it. He says, no, you take it off, put it off, put it to death, be done with it. So he says, well, what are we putting to death? Put to death, literally right here. Therefore, what is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetedness, which is idolatry. On the count of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you once walked, right? We all walked in these things. We're not better than anyone else. We, this is what we were all caught up in. I was caught up in it. You were caught up in it, Paul says. He says we all were caught up in this. This is the nature of sin in the flesh. He says, you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. Put them all away. Don't lie to one another. Seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and having put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Verse 12, then he gets into the good news. So after you put to death all those things, we could spend 12 weeks on how to do all that, right? There's a lot packed in there. Maybe we will. Um, verse 12, though, well, what do we put on? Put on, then, as God's chosen ones. This is how God sees you, Christian. Listen to how he describes us, Christian. God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. The NIV translates it, dearly loved. I like that. Holy and dearly loved, believer. Clothe yourselves with compassionate hearts, kindness, meekness, patience. Paul's giving us this picture like we're taking off this outer garment and we're putting on the new self. He's saying, clothe yourself in Christ. You can now because you are fully synced up with him. Nothing's holding you back. The old me is gone. The old me is gone. Now, sure, I still struggle. I'll be the first to admit. My flesh is still there. Sin is still present in my life. I stumble, I fall, and I need to call out for the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus, and he is ready to give it. Still, I struggle. 
But that's not who we are. Paul's reminding us of our new identity and our new reality. That's why I think it's important for us to never settle for language like this. I think we get uh, so easily, we just sort of slough off and use as an excuse. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Uh, I don't know, I just... I just, I'm just a sinner. I'm just a guy that just constantly messes up and I'm just saved by grace. So I hope maybe one day I'll figure this out. That's, Paul, that's not how Paul's describing it. Yes, you were a sinner and you are saved by grace. You still have the capacity to sin, but through the power of the risen Christ, you can put to death all of that. And you can put on the new self clothed in glory. He's reminding us. Paul does not look at us and say, oh, you're just a bunch of sinners saved by grace. Remember what he just called us? God's chosen ones. He looks at you, Christian, synced up with Jesus, hidden in Christ. You're holy. Beloved, you're dearly loved by God. That is an entirely different place to operate your life out of. That's not, a, that's not operating your life out of shame and guilt. It's operating your life and living your life as a beloved son or daughter of the Most High. Knowing you're fully pleased and loved and you've get, been given everything you need for faith and life and godliness. He says you're new. You share in his glory. Everything's changed. So this garment, this idea, this thought of taking off and putting on is a daily thing. He's saying it's not just something that happened a long, long time ago that you did just once. He said you just, when, when the, the nature of sin creeps up in your flesh and it's a struggle, remember by the power of Christ, you can put that off now. It no longer controls you and you can put on righteousness. You can put on that which he's given to you fully and freely in Christ. And what does that look like? What does that mean? What, what difference does that make? Okay, okay great, cool. Well, he tells us, right? He says, when we put on this new self, it changes everything. It changes from the inside out. He says, we start forgiving each other. We start living a life of humility rather than self-centeredness and arrogance. We start being patient with other people. We have a spirit of love and generosity. Why? Because this is who I am now. A lot of times we get stuck thinking like this, especially in Bible Belt kind of gerbil wheel religion. If I just change my behavior, it will change who I am. That's not how it works. Christ says, no, I change who you are. And it's the power of Christ that permeates inside that begins to change on the outside. He comes in, right? And then Paul gives us the, this la, our, our last word again. So that was glory, right? We're, we're, we're gonna be with him one day in glory. He talks about this garment idea. We, we take off the old self, we put on the new self, and then he's gonna end with the word glory again. Verse 17, with this huge idea. So he lists off all these things that, that the new life creates in us. And then verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed covers all the bases, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks, or it's tra also translated 
Glory to God, the Father, through him. I wish I would have heard this when I was a young Christian. I wish I would have known this. Um, Because I used to think that I would hear things like, oh, you just got to know the the will of God. Got to go find the will of God. You got to know what God wants for your life. What's God want for you? Where does God want you to go to college? Where does God want you to live? How many kids does God want you to have? All these questions, we just get, we just get buried in them. And we, th- we, we, we start thinking this way. <sighs> Man, following God is like trying to find a needle in a haystack. It's like, where's the will of God? Well, if I just live in the haystack for long enough, then I'll, maybe I'll find it. It's like trying to find the one grain of sand on the ocean, sh- in the ocean, on the beach. And it's like, I, I, I can never find it. How can I discern it? I used to struggle with this. What, where, who should I marry? What job should I take? What, what, what should I eat for lunch today? What parking spot should I, like all, the, all these things. You can just get bogged down in all of this. What's God's will for me? It was mysterious. It was elusive. It was like the Where's Waldo puzzle. It all kind of looks the same. I got to find the one thing and it so, takes so long. He's got to stare at it for so, so, so long. How can you make any decisions like that? You get paralyzed. Paul blows this up. I love this verse. This changes our whole perspective. He says, it's not about what you do. It's about why you do what you do. That's what it's about. It's not about what you do. It's about why you do what you do. What matters? What motivates you to do what you do? Each of us are good at something. Each of us are gifted in something. God has given you an aptitude for something. God has given you a gift that you are to thrive in. Right? It's not about finding the needle in the haystack, I've heard it said. It's about the haystack. Wherever he puts you. You don't got to find something unique or special in there. He said, I've put you right here, right now, on purpose to use the gifts that he's given you for such a time as this to bring glory to God uh, right now. Right? So you can go to work tomorrow and be a child of God and bring glory to God. It's not like, oh, well, I don't, I don't know. How do... He says, no. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it bringing glory to God. So whether you're a mother of small children, you can do that to the glory of God and it brings him honor. When you're doing the laundry somehow, I don't know how, you can bring glory to God, right? In God's economy, it works. You can be a father, you can go on vacation, you can trade stocks, you can be unemployed, you can be retired, It's not about what you do or finding that perfect little thing, trying to discern that moment of, oh, I just, we can get panicked in that. Paul says, whatever you do, God's given you passion and giftings. He says, go for it, use it, run forward into this world and do it, whatever you do to the glory of God. That is so freeing. That's the power of the gospel. You do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That way we know our lives matter. That, that's how we know we're in the will of God. Um, 
So the things that we're good at, the things that we're passionate about, we do them for a bigger glory than just our own, Paul's saying. Your life is wrapped up in something much bigger than yourself and your plan. Do it for a bigger glory than your own. Jesus is coming, Paul reminds us. He's coming in glory. We just read about it. And no one's glory will ever come close to his glory. And when he comes in glory, we can be in that glory by saying all the things that I did here on earth, all my dreams, my life, I did them in such a way that Jesus, you were seen and celebrated. You were seen and celebrated in and through my life. And so church, you have a passion God has given you something. God has given you a drive. He's given you a dream. I think what Paul's saying is in the name of God, go for it today. Risk, do it, run after it. But you're here for a purpose and that purpose is that Christ may be seen as supreme and sufficient in and through whatever you're doing. And the gospel does that. And we can have hope and security and peace in that. Paul says, go for it. Whatever you do, go for it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the freeing words that we just read. God, thank you that our life is, uh, as believers, now hidden in Christ. God, thank you that you look down at us and you can call us holy. You call us dearly loved children. And it's out of that place now that we can live and operate in this world in which we live. And God, that you call us to go after that which you've put in us. And we can do it all in the name and for the glory of God. And so God, I just pray uh, this morning for those that were sitting in here and they've just been struggling with God. Where do you want me? Am I in your will? I'm, I don't know where to go. And that are feel paralyzed by uh, those ideas. God, I pray that, that your word would just have been liberating for them. That whatever it is you're welling up inside of them by your uh, grace through your spirit, you would help them walk into that and that they would point to the, the goodness of Jesus along the way, that our life would be lived for a greater glory than our own. And that in doing so, collectively, we as a body would just shine a light on your goodness. Thank you that we are your children. Thank you that we can even fail in that and you can still come running and pick us up. That our efforts don't get us there, that you've already done it for us that we're hidden with you, that we're kept by you, and that you hold us forever. And nothing can take that away. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship in church.